Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And we look forward to what promises to be an absolutely incredible sporting weekend. It's the World World Cup, the Premier League, and Max Verstappen could be crowned as World Formula One Drivers' Champion this weekend. But let's start with the Cricket World Cup. And the opening game yesterday at the Sardar Patel Stadium in Ahmedabad. Seats 132,000. It wasn't anywhere near full yesterday for the opening game. A repeat of the 2019 final between England and New Zealand. What a start for the New Zealanders. They've made a couple of finals, never made it over the line in the final. And I bet they wish that yesterday's game was the last time they played England in a final. of This time, the opening game, then batted first after New Zealand won the toss, 282 for the loss of England. Johnny Bairstow got 33, David Milan 14, Joe Root 77, Harry Brook 25, Josh Butler got 43, and nobody else really pushed on. And in fact, nobody really got it runs at more than 100 per ball. Uh, they were not very good, were the English yesterday, but they would have thought that 282 was not a bad score. Ben Stokes, of course, still injured. You could see they really missed him. Of course, he's that middle-order power hitter for them. Well, 282 for nine, they must have thought that maybe they were a couple of runs, maybe 10 or 15 runs short. Perhaps 300, 310 would have been a good score. And then with the first delivery uh, to Will Young, Josh Butler, Bolt, Sam Curran, uh, you would have thought that uh, the score might have been respectable because the New Zealanders were a wicket down. They had 10 on the board. They'd faced seven deliveries, and England thought they would be in with a shout. Well, that was the last wicket they took. New Zealand went on to score 283 for the loss of just Will Young's wicket. Two innings that will go down in World Cup history as obviously some of the best hitting you will have ever seen. The South African-born Devon Conway, 152 not out. And his big buddy, Rachinda Ravindra, was only playing yesterday because Kane Williamson was injured. When he came in at number three, uh, Devon Conway played together for Wellington in uh, New Zealand. They are great mates. Apparently, they go running every morning, and then they go to gym, and then they go to practice. They talk cricket all the time. Well, the two of them had an absolute field day yesterday. Ravindra, 123 not out, Indian-born with a broad New Zealand accent, and Devon Conway, born with a pretty South African accent. 152 for him, 123 for Ravindra, and a magnificent win for New Zealand. But not only the fact that they won wickets, but also the fact that they knocked the runs off in 36 overs and two balls, which for their net run rate, which might come into play later on in the tournament, they could not have got off to a better start. So the opening game, a 2.149 positive net run rate, which is magnificent for New Zealand. And of course, that is how they got their tournament underway. It's a long tournament, lots to happen. Pakistan are playing the Netherlands today. Tomorrow, it's Bangladesh against Afghanistan and South Africa against Sri Lanka. The Bangladesh-Afghanistan game starts at 7 o'clock. It's a day game, and then the day-night game for South Africa against Sri Lanka. Now, South Africa's history in the World Cup is checkered, to say the least. 1992 was the first time South Africa were in the World Cup. They went there under a cloud after the selectors dropped Clive Rice and gave the 
armband, the captain's armband to the Australian, South African-born Free State player Kepler Vessels. There was a lot of controversy around that. South Africa then went there as a sort of lucky wild card, if you like, because originally we were not included in the World Cup. Then uh, the former president, Nelson Mandela, was released from jail. South Africa had the referendum incident during the time of the World Cup in 1992. I was very fortunate enough to be there and experience that first international uh, competition that South Africa were in, the first World Cup in South Africa had ever played in. Uh, never mind rugby or any other World Cup. I'm talking about the new South Africa, of course. And uh, we, of course, were knocked out in the semi-final because of an incident with regards to Packer, yeah, uh, Kerry Packer and his newsroom needing to be on air at 10 o'clock. In those days, there was no Duckworth Lewis system like we had. There was a system that went and progressed to a couple of other World Cups as favourites. They were given the tag of chokers, the 1999 World Cup. Perhaps I should never go to World Cup because I was there as well in 1999. And that famous drop catch by Herschel Gibbs and that horrific mix-up between Lance Klusner and Alan Donald, right in front of my very eyes. What a terrible day that was for South African cricket, 1999. Then, of course, 2003, that infamous Duckworth-Lewis result where Mark Boucher was at the crease. Sean Pollock was captaining at the time. He thought that South Africa had won the game. The rain came down against their very opponent, Sri Lanka, who they play tomorrow. And as you well know, we were knocked out before the Super Sixers in our own country. So a check had passed with South Africa. Maybe this time they've gone into the tournament without the tag of being favourites. Although, I don't think we should forget um, that South Africa um, have uh, gone up the rankings recently in terms of the uh, one-day international rankings. Um, they have had a couple of good matches, have South Africa. They obviously had to do exceptionally well recently by coming from 2-0 down against Australia. So we are fourth in the ICC rankings going into the tournament behind India, Pakistan, Australia. England are fifth, New Zealand are sixth. New Zealand in sixth place, that is no reflection. But then if you look at the rankings, South Africa 106 points, England 105, and New Zealand 103. Australia have 112, Pakistan 115, and India 116. So a couple of points between the first two, then three points between Pakistan and Australia in third, and then South Africa, England, and New Zealand a point apiece each day. Sri Lanka, remember, had to go to a qualifying tournament in Zimbabwe get to this competition, no West Indies and no Zimbabwe, Bangladesh and Afghanistan in the competition this time, and the Netherlands, who are only ranked 14th. So this time the Cup is played over 45 matches. They play each other to all the teams, and then the top four will progress, and then, of course, the top two teams will play in the final. Now, that's tomorrow, the match between South Africa and Sri Lanka. Obviously, a huge match for South African interest. But the big match for world interest, I guess, will be the hosts India on the field for the first time when they take on Australia. Now, I know they played well and beat Australia in a couple of warm-up matches, but that doesn't mean anything, to be perfectly honest with you. Sunday, that game is unbelievable. There's going to be a massive crowd 
to watch the game between India and Australia. It's being played in Chennai at the Chidamabaram Stadium, the M.A. Chidabaram Stadium. Uh, we're going to have to get used to all of these names. There are one or two, two names that you actually just can't even pronounce. 50,000 will be in. You cannot get a ticket. I know you can't get a ticket for any of the Indian games. It's all those games are completely sold out. And I guess if you're fortunate enough to have a ticket for India versus Pakistan, you most probably could sell that ticket right now and buy yourself a car of some sorts because the black market is uh, full of uh, huge amounts of pricing for that particular tournament, for that particular match in the tournament. So the end of Australia game, the last couple of matches, Australia won the last one by 66 runs. Previous one, India won on the duck with Lewis Method by 99 runs. And previous to that, uh, India won by five wickets, winning the series 2-1. As I say, they lost five in a row, did Australia, when they played, of course, against South Africa. 2-0 up, lost the next three. But Australia didn't have their full strength side. They've got some fantastic cricketers in that Australian side, and they are Always, always going to be favourites in the World Cup. They're led by Steve Smith, of course, the outstanding batsman in the world. Manus Labaskakli, who's had an outstanding bit of form. And then, of course, they've got a couple of really, really big hitters in that side and some fantastic bowlers as well. So that promises to be a magnificence with two sides who will clash on uh, Sunday. Then on Monday, New Zealand back in action again. Quick, quick turnaround for them. They play the Netherlands. England will get a chance to recuperate after that massive loss against Bangladesh on Tuesday, while Pakistan will play Sri Lanka, who of course play South Africa, as I say, tomorrow. Then Wednesday, it's India against Afghanistan. And next Thursday, once again, the two arch rivals from the World Cup will meet each other. But then we should have an, sort of an idea of how things are going and whether we should be worried about South Africa's progress in the tournament or whether they will have had two wins, which would be fantastic. And if after victories in their first two, then we can perhaps sit back and enjoy the currently underway in India. We'll be talking about it on from the boardroom to the locker room as much as we possibly can, bringing you as many stories as we can around the tournament. It uh, promises to be a fantastic tournament. It's going to be extremely well supported. I can promise you that cricket in India is a religion. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And the Indian fans will most definitely be out in force, even for some of the games in which their team is not playing but you must also remember that some of those stadiums are massive absolutely massive so even when 50,000 people are in the stadium in Ahmedabad for example it's not even half full so the 14th of November that's uh, of course in eight seven weeks time or so and hopefully maybe just results or bad luck whichever way you look at it will come to an end they're not under pressure this time it would be a fantastic 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 send-off, wouldn't it, for Quinton de Kock? He might also be playing in their last World Cup. The captain, Temba Bavuma, might be playing in his last cup. Even Heinrich Klaassen might be playing in his last cup. So a couple of players there who will be handing the baton over. Kahiso Rabada, Shapres Chumzi. They all most probably Keshav Maharaj playing in their last World Cup. So a lot on these guys' shoulders, a lot for them to grasp. But the fact that they are not tagged as favourites 
and the fact that they're playing in India with the majority of those players having played South African players, that is, in the IPL, as, of course, many of the other players in the World Cup or other teams will have played in India. They'll know the conditions, and who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe it can be a magnificent double because the Rugby World Cup, of course, at the moment also on, which we'll be talking about in a short while's time. Right, let's turn our attention now to motorsport and Lewis Hamilton has praised a rival Max Staffan for raising the bar and added his voice to those who support the American Andretti team's bid to enter Formula One at a press conference last night. This weekend, Grand Prix, Hamilton said the Dutchman had had a phenomenal and faultless year. Well, I guess that's coming from somebody who has won a race for a while. Verstappen requires just three points to seal another title triumph, and he's expected to do that with ease in tomorrow's sprint race at the circuit. Hamilton also voiced his approval for the American team joining the grid as an entry from Andretti Cadillac Racing. Now, they are facing examination by Formula One's commercial rights owners after being approved by the ruling body, the International Federation, the FIA. Of the current 10 teams are understood to be in opposition to a new entry because it would dilute their revenue from prize money distribution. But Hamilton says he thinks it's great. He's always felt there weren't enough cars on the grid. They are definitely people who won't be that he's supportive of it, but he thinks it's a great idea. The only thing that I keep thinking, and I'm sure anybody who's ever been in Cadillac, will just be thinking to themselves, how on earth can a Cadillac be on a Formula One grid? I mean, we, we've seen sports cars, we've seen Mercedes cars, McLarens, uh, even Ferraris, but Cadillac just does not get my brain around a sports car. I mean, a Cadillac is something that when you go to America, you either get picked up in a Cadillac by a driver or you hire one at the airport because you want to say, I rode a Cadillac. I drove one. I drove a Cadillac when I was in America as well. It's about, I don't know, 30, 40 foot long. <laughs> it's it's a massive, massive car. It has a huge engine. It's a gas guzzler. And I wonder how Andretti Racing can actually get Cadillac car. It's going to definitely not look anything like or sound anything like a Cadillac, that I can promise you. But back to the race tomorrow. It promises to be a sprint race, as I say. So there's later on this evening, there's qualifying. And then tomorrow, it's the sprint race. And then on Sunday, it is the big one, the Formula One Grand Prix. Already, the Constructors' Championship won by Red Bull. Now they are off the driver's title, which Max Verstappen will win this weekend, I am sure, unless something dramatic happens to the 26-year-old. And here's a problem for the rest of the grid, because double world champion Fernando Alonso said we haven't yet seen the best of Max Verstappen. What? He's now Comparing him to Formula One great Michael Schumacher. He says that he can equal or better Schumacher's seven titles. Of course, Schumacher won five with Ferrari. And he shares the record, does Schumacher, with Lewis Hamilton. Now, Verstappen's father lost Verstappen, and the families became close and went on holidays together. Schumacher was also Alonso's main rival. The pair went wheel to wheel in thrilling, thrilling battles when the Spaniard won his titles with Renault in 2005. So the season is most probably going to end this weekend in terms of fantastic races. To come off to Qatar, we go next week to Indonesia. That, of course, is on the motorcycle circuit. The Formula One circuit, of course, also gets its chance with regards to the Round Americas, if I may say. They go to the United States Grand Prix to the Formula One circus. 
They also move along to Las Vegas, which is going to be fantastic. Um, uh, the U.S. Grand Prix is on the 22nd of this month. Then the Mexican Grand Prix a week later. The Brazilian Grand Prix a week after that. So we go USA, Mexico, and Brazil week after week after week. Have it until we get to Las Vegas. Then the last race of the season will be in Abu Dhabi at the Yas Marina circuit. Now, the Yas Marina race this year, I don't think it's going to be any well, I don't think it's ever going to be as exciting as it was a couple of years ago. But the fact that we're going to the United States, Mexico, which is massively supported, then Brazil, again, of course, you get the great air coming from Brazil. And then for the first time, the streets of Las Vegas, it is going to be something special. I think what we can find when they get to Las Vegas is the razzmatazz of how the Americans put on racing. Remember, of course, they have the Indianapolis 500. They have the Daytona 500. Now, Las Vegas is going to put on a show for the Formula One world. And I think body from Venus Williams, Beyonce, you name are going to be there. And it's going to be a star-studded event. That, of course, coming up is the street circuit in Vegas. On, of, even as one the weekend, never fear. There's still going to be some fantastic racing. But I'll tell you what is a problem. Red Bull can now basically concentrate on the car for 24. Yeah, that's the problem. 2023 car, they don't need to improve because even they don't, if they don't win it after this weekend, don't point. So surprise me that Max won't be world champion come the end of this weekend and there's something dramatic happens. Then they don't need to concentrate so much on what goes into the season. And we saw uh, in sort of like what, 10th or 11th place, wherever it was, due to a few issues and problems that he had, the rest of the circuits raced tremendously well. It was a tremendous race. Ferrari and McLaren, they were all over the place. Red Bull were nowhere, and the racing was magnificent. I mean, they came over the line, first, second, and third, in under a second and a half. It was just incredible. So hopefully we will have that kind of racing coming up in the future. So what else is there this weekend before we get to the football? Of course, the Premier League in action again this weekend. Last week, it was the Ryder Cup. We spoke about it on Monday. I'm just going to mention it again. Ah, oh, it was just super. That is a tournament. It is just brilliant. Anyway, the players have all done and dusted. And Chesson Hadley posted the bogey free eight under 64. He's the first round leader at the Sanderson Farms Championship. In Jackson, Mississippi, that will continue on tonight. Brandon Wu is just one shot behind, as is Henrik Norlander. They shot seven under par, and a group at six under par, including South African Christian Pazadenot, Scott Russell Knox, and the 21-year-old PGA Tour winner Aksai Batia and Matt Naismith. So those are the guys that are doing the business at the moment in the U.S., PGA Tour. We, of course, uh, are watching the uh, action that is currently on the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, and there you will find Peter Eulen leading at eight under par. Sebastian Soderberg is next best. Grant Forrest is third, and another South African, Vilko Ninaba and Zander Lombard have both shot seven under par. Billy Horschel, the American, at seven under par, and then Ryan Fox from New Zealand and Jamie Donaldson at six under par after the first round there. That Alfred Daniel links at the news golf course. What an amazing. 
amazing tournament that one is. And then, of course, uh, locally in South Africa, the Fortress Invitational is underway. Heinrich Breuners is leading there from Trevor Fisher Jr. and race at the beautiful Glendower Golf Club in Johannesburg. A lovely golf club. I know I haven't played much golf in my life, but funnily enough, I've actually played Glendower at one or two uh, pro-ams before tournaments celebrity golf days and then of course carry play country club for the sunshine tour from the 11th to the 15th of october it's the blue label challenge then the akiona opal the espana on the dp world tour and the shriners children's open on the uspga tour but let's not forget that the uh, Sun City Golf Course will be hosting the uh, DP in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, we will obviously be some action from tournament and around that tournament as the DP Tour winds its way down to the end of the World Tour Championships uh, that will take place in Dubai. So the uh, DP World Tour NetBank Golf Challenge from the 9th to the 12th of November, that's in just over a month's time at the beautiful Gary Black Country Club at Sun City. And that is the week before the DP World Tour Championship at the Earth Course in Dubai. As we may toward the end of the US and DP World Tour seasons, but the Sunshine Tour will continue. A couple of events, one in particular, Gary and Vivian Player Invitational. Of course, Gary Player, a 13-time South African Open champion, a man who's traveled more any other sportsman in terms of air miles, and somebody who is one of very few people, if most probably the only person, who's able to shoot a round of golf under his age. Right, let's move on now, shall we, before we end tonight's From the Boardroom to the Locker Room weekend preview with the Premier League. And matches start tomorrow at half past one. So Luton Town will be hosting Spurs. The other ones, uh, they beat Everton, which at the moment is not a difficult thing. Then Spurs, of course, that controversial VAR result that they had against Liverpool. What I say VAR result with the VAR force. They just messed it all up, didn't they? Now Liverpool are asking for the game to be replayed. Oh, Liverpool fan, but now it's won by two goals to one. With Phil United, they beat Burnley, and of course they beat Bournemouth. So very good, and not see loot result out of this. Four o'clock at Bournemouth, perfectly honest, a strike. Everton in sixteenth place, and uh, Bournemouth in nineteenth place in the twenty-man Premier League. Just a point separates. My record is one to shout home about. Everton have had one win in five. They beat Brentford three-one, and I guess is going to be. A bottom of the table clash. It might be ugly. It might be full of goals. It might just be boring. No, no. Then Craven Cottage will see Fulham take on a Sheffield United. Manchester United. Oh my goodness. Manchester United. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. It feels like I'm going back to the years where we waited 26 years to win the Premier League. The moment Manchester United in absolute disarray. They were beaten in midweek. They were beaten last week at home. They're back at home against Brentford. The Bees take on Man United. All right, United's record against them is not so great either. They lost to them two games ago by four goals to nil. They also lost to them at the beginning of three goals to one. But United's record at the moment is two wins and three losses in their last five league games. The only thing is that Brentford's results are even worse, three losses. So they haven't had a win their last five games. Then Burnley will host Chelsea. 
Has Chelsea's season got off? Maybe. They got a win. Reasonable to push on. They beat Fulham in their last game and they lost 2 one in their previous three. Burnley were the victors in midweek when they beat Luton, which is, doesn't say very much that Burnley have got a chance. Maybe this is the opportunity for Chelsea to put a few goals back of the net. And then at half past six tomorrow evening, it's Crystal Palace against Nottingham Forest. That entertaining game of football, I would think. Um, Forest have had uh, a win, two losses and two draws in their last five, while Crystal Palace beat Man United in their last game, which will be a huge boost for them. They drew 0-0 with Fulham. They lost to Aston Villa. They beat Wolves and they drew with Brentford. So they go into the game with a much better record than Nottingham Forest. But Forest haven't been bad on the road season. And then on Sunday, we kick off with Brighton on Liverpool. West Ham play Newcastle. Wolves play Aston Villa. And the best game of the weekend is the game at the Emirates where Arsenal, last year's runners-up in the Premier League, take on the winners of the Premier League. And uh, it's interesting, in their last 14 meetings, Man City have won 13 and drawn one. Arsenal have not won a game in 14 against Man City. However, however, neither have Man City lost three in a row. Remember, they lost in midweek, they lost against uh, in the league, and they lost in the League Cup. So, interesting situation with regards to City. They did lose Premier League for the first time against Wolves last week. They'll want to bounce back, but previous to that, they have been unbeaten and a perfect record of four wins out of four. Arsenal, on the other hand, also unbeaten, three wins and two draws. And then the Rugby World Cup this weekend. It's down to the business end of the Rugby World Cup. Let's just briefly go through some of the fixtures and then we'll talk about the one that's of the most importance of all. So France play Italy tonight. I can't see a surprise or a shock, although in the Six Nations, it was 29-24 to the French. So it wasn't as if it was this massive win that uh, the Italians had. But there is a possibility if the Italians can pull one over the French, they could end up in second place um, behind New Zealand in the group, which would be a shock, would put the hosts out of the World Cup. And I think that would benefit South Africa, perhaps. The big game of the weekend is the one that everybody's talking about. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's just talk about the other three games. Wales play Georgia at three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. England plays Samoa at quarter to six. And then the game that everybody is waiting for. Ireland against Scotland. So what are the permutations with regards to this game? It's almost unlikely that South Africa are not going to make it through to the quarterfinals. The question is, will they go through to the quarterfinals at the top or will they go through to the quarterfinals in second place in the group? At the moment, the group looks like this. South Africa are top of the group because, of course, they've played one game more than what Irish have done. So that means, of course, that as far as South Africa are concerned, they sit and they watch the game tomorrow evening with the only interest that they really have is what the result of the game is. So for South Africa to be knocked out of the World Cup, there would have to be a contrived result. It would have to be something ridiculous like Scotland winning by 22 points, Ireland not scoring any tries. They'd have all the, well, not could score three tries, but not four tries, not get a bonus point. 
I think Ireland are going to win. I don't believe for one moment that Ireland are going to throw the game. Ireland are going to beat Scotland tomorrow night. Ireland will finish top of the group. South Africa will finish second. Scotland will go home. And that's why tonight's game between France and Italy is of such importance to both Italy and France and, of course, to the All Blacks in South Africa because that's where the World Cup, I guess, is going to be won or lost. Depends on who plays who in the quarterfinals. We will know all of that when we come back and bring you a review of what promises to be an absolutely fantastic sporting weekend that comprises motorsports, comprises football, comprises Cricket World Cup, Rugby World Cup, comprises the Premier And I can tell you right now, it's going to be a weekend that I think we are all going to remember long, long time. What is so great about the weekend is that nothing is set in stone. There could be some unpredictable results, bearing in mind Sunday sees Japan play Argentina, Tonga play Romania, and Fiji play Portugal. It's been a great World Cup. The Cricket World Cup has just started. Max Verstappen's going to win the Formula One Drivers' Championship this weekend. And hopefully, if you are in between all of the sport participating in your own version, you win. But if you don't, it's not a problem. It's about the competing at the level that most of us, outside of the top professionals, are playing. Go out, enjoy it, and remember, be kind to each other. Until Monday, bye for now.